Um, uh, I can't have trouble reading this. Reuters, uh, Natanja Bose. Do you think President Biden should run again? Uh, yes, I do. I mean, president Biden has been a great president for our country. He has accomplished so much. Let me show you some price comparisons here. A carton of eggs. This is supposed to be the cheap protein, right? Well, up 43% year over year. And milk, it's up 14% year over year. Maybe you thought you'd save some money with fruits and vegetables. Well, those are up 9% too. Coffee up 14%. And let me tell you, if you're a cook and you use butter, 33% year-over-year increase from October to October. Now, all of this means that Thanksgiving is going to be much more expensive. And you can't substitute anything for the turkey, right? Well, guess what? You're going to have sticker shock because the price is up 16% year-over-year. Even potatoes are up 15%. And people use potatoes to kind of stretch their meal if they can't afford a lot of protein. Uh, you want pumpkin pie? Well, guess what? You're going to be paying a lot more for that as well. Uh, the Inflation Reduction Act had an enormous opportunity to reduce the cost for senior citizens. Uh, the ability for the na- for the Medicare to negotiate drug prices, capping the uh, drug yeah. uh, cost to seniors, as well as the enormous investment in the green economy, all kinds of economy, uh, green systems, grids, all of that is in that bill. It, wa- uh, it was title, primarily really didn't work out. It was primarily a clean energy bill, though. It was primarily exactly. that. Thank you, Congressman, That's for your correct. time. We- what is the Democrats' responsibility there? What steps do Democrats need to take to bring the country together? Well, we have always been taking that step because we honor our oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States, and that should be uh, a unifying principle for us. Uh, the uh, uh, in many of our bills, we worked very hard to make it bipartisan, bipartisan, bipartisan. And while the bills were bipartisan, the votes were not. Welcome to The Daily Rob. This is Stu. It is the Ides of November 11, 15, 2022. Rob was ready to film today, but he had a quick legal problem that he had to go help some clients out with so he's off being superman right now and so we're gonna just wish him luck as he's helping the people as he does so just some quick news today so over the weekend we had tiffany trump get married and there's some lovely photos coming out of that swanky affair like the one of don with melania and his ex-wife marla maples and there was some concern that the hurricane was going to prevent the wedding from happening. I had been downgraded to a tropical storm, but it went off without a hitch. And I think that's really fantastic. And so I'm just happy for the newlyweds. And so uh, just something really nice to see. And we're going to take that and we're going to transition to the world of politics. So NBC News is now predicting that the GOP will win the House of Representatives. As we saw over the weekend, uh, lost the Senate. And so there's a lot of questions right now. And some of these issues we talked about last week with the leadership of the GOP. And so now we're kind of seeing because we shouldn't see Joe Biden do better than Obama, do better than Bush, do better than Bill Clinton with midterms. How the, how the hell that happens? You know, we can definitely get into some of the more finer details. 
But really what it's highlighting is the failure of the Republican Party leadership to promote and to fund and to help good candidates right now. So to get into that, Rubio and Hawley are both calling for Senate GOP leadership vote to be postponed. I'm really impressed with Marco Rubio. I'm really not his biggest fan, but it looks like he's grown a spine. And so I just want to just highlight some tweets he had over the weekend. The Senate GOP leadership vote next week should be postponed. First, we need to make sure that those who want to lead us are genuinely committed to fighting for the priorities and values of the working Americans of every background who give us big wins in states like Florida. He follows this up with an outdated GOP can win some elections in some places, but a new GOP guided by common sense wisdom and that fights for working class values can win the support of Americans of every background and in every part of the country. And I'm just going to play the ad that he featured on that. I am more energized and excited about working in the Senate than I've been at any other time because I believe we are on the cusp of a new generation of leadership in this Republican Party that will restore common sense, that will put hardworking Americans first, and that will leave for our children what they deserve to inherit, the greatest country in the history of the world. Thank you, guys. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. And then he wrapped it all up with, the real threat to faith in our elections is states that take weeks to count and that are still announcing the discovery of thousands of new ballots days after Election Day. So for him to say something like that, I really think shows how the kind of barometer of what a GOP candidate needs to say to be successful in 2022 has radically changed from what we saw in 2016. Now, I do want to feature two very sad events that happened today. Both happened at universities. So the first is going to be the UVA shooting that looked like an ex-football star wanted revenge on three of his former teammates and essentially attacked them as he knew they were coming back from a field trip. The uh, shooting suspect is now in custody but just deeply sad that that happened. And then there were also four University of Idaho students who were killed in an off-campus housing, and the police are investigating why that happened, and all classes are currently canceled right now as that investigation is ongoing. But just something deeply sad to see. You know, why this thing, why this happens all the time? You know, I think we really do have a mental health crisis in the United States right now. And when we see things like anti-anxiety medication, you can get through telehealth just over the phone call and the Zoom with the doctor. I find that deeply troubling. I don't like this notion that you might have, you know, 70% of all young people on some sort of anti-anxiety medication. Now, I also want to feature what I call just performative activism and just kind of the disgusting aspect of what I call, you know, woke when they want to be woke. So the World Cup is about to happen in Qatar. And if you're a smart person, you know that Qatar essentially made that stadium with practically slave labor. It's an Islamic country, so they don't really play around with any of this whole LGBTQ+. So it is illegal to be gay in Qatar. And so the United States men's national team for soccer, you know, they're doing this thing where they've changed 
the logo to be a rainbow flag logo, but they're only going to use it in the team facilities and cutter, and they aren't going to use it on their actual uniforms itself. So it's like they're making a statement, but in my opinion, it's really not. If they wanted to make a statement, they would refuse to go to Qatar and play soccer. That would be a statement that the United States bowed out. You'd probably see other countries bow out. But to kind of act like they're doing something stunning and brave when they're really just doing it in an insular way that's only going to be seen by Americans at their special spot in the facility doesn't really strike me as something that makes a statement. I, I really see it as acting cowardly. It's like, it's it's almost like you get one of those signs, like in this house we believe, but you only display it inside your house, not to the outward neighborhood. That's how I see it. So inside the house or inside the facility, they have their rainbow flag, um, Team USA, new logo, but out on the pitch, out on the street, they have their old uniform. And so I think it's a really, just a really kind of goofy example of how they think they're, you know, activists when clearly they're not doing it. This is how goofy these people are. And they literally think they're doing something good by doing this, you know, do something good, you know, take it to the next level, actually put some skin in the game, you know, be locked up and cutter to make a statement, you know? And then I just want to end today with this wild story. So this sign language interpreter is now suing Lion King on Broadway after the director told him it's no longer appropriate to have white interpreters represent black characters. And so he was fired and he's taking them to court now. And this is one Keith Wan, who is a comedian, but also does ASL, American Sign Language, for Broadway shows. And so I'm just going to play this video of him signing. So I'll narrate this of just explaining why he does sign language. And it's a really kind of touching story. I'm what is called a CODA, child of deaf adult. I see some others who are also CODAs and have the same reason as I do. I sign because my parents are deaf. I was born to a household where ASL was in my blood, heart, and soul. It is what I saw and the only thing I knew. So simply, I sign ASL to communicate with my parents. When I was seven years old, my mother received a letter notifying her that there was a telegram waiting for her at the 7-Eleven via what was Western Union. Mother said to me in ASL, come with me to the store and let's call this number and see about this message. I said, okay. My mother and I walked into town, just signing with each other. I remember that day vividly because it was a bright sunny day passing rows of houses at the corner, there was a McDonald's. Across the street was a 7-Eleven store. We went into 7-Eleven, and inside there was this old rotary phone. My mother gave me 10 cents to make the call. I placed the call, and as the telegram letter started, I gave the number to receive the message. The telegraph reader got the number and immediately started to read the message to me. And so Mr. Wan goes on, and he tells this very sad story of essentially telling his mother how her mother had passed away in sign language and the confusion and pain that he caused her due to the fact that when you are doing a telegram each pause is represented by stop so when he saw his mother crying he kept signing stop and she had never 
heard of Telegram before and didn't know that he was just relying the message perfectly and not, you know, being mean and embarrassed by her and telling her to stop because she was crying and how this really kind of gave him a certain level of compassion with his sign language to know that sign language can make people upset and that's why he takes it so seriously and does what he does today. And I just thought that was a wonderful story and, you know, brave of him to share. So I'm really hoping Juan wins. And this is one of these things where this Broadway show has been going on since 1997. So it has decades of having various Black cast members. It's a very, uh, representatively, the aesthetic of the show is deeply African, celebrates African culture, and the fact that we're being so psychotic with like, oh, let's focus on the person who is enthusiastically doing sign language, that's the issue. I think that's sad. You know, having a disability is also in this umbrella of diversity. And I think it's just ridiculous that this is where we're taking it. You would, I think you should want the person who's going to be the best sign language interpreter and really convey the meaning of the show with their signing. And so it's sad to me. And then also, you know, this is a show that lots of different people have been involved with. You know, Elton John did the music, a gay Brit, you know, Tim Rice also helped. Tim Rice is an English lord. Margaret Thatcher fanboy, deeply conservative dude, but, you know, at the end of the day was able to work with Elton John, who probably doesn't have the same politics, and they made this masterpiece that is a jewel in the crown of Disney movies and, you know, Disney movies that have a deep, lasting legacy. In my opinion, this highlights everything wrong with, you know, American culture and how the woke just ruins everything. But on that note, everybody... That's really all I had for you today. Just some quick stories, just highlighting a few things. Hope everyone has a really good day. And, you know, we'll have Rob back tomorrow. So thank you all so much. And I will catch you later. So see ya. I have done my research. I've done my research. You're fucking old. Old. You're fucking a white male. Yes. In America. Yes. Look at all the fucking uh, black people that are Mexicans. That's not a fucking issue compared to the black people that are police. Bullshit. You white guys are right. You're a white man. This is fucking bullshit.